If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll begin in verse 1, amen. You might notice something different about me this morning. It's Sunday, and it's the morning, and I'm preaching, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't have to hear about it anymore, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All the other preachers just had to leave. That's all they had to have. I thought I was special. Then I looked around and found I was just the only one left. Praise the No, I'm very grateful. Uh, that's not true, amen. But I'm very grateful to be here this morning. Uh, I was telling my wife, um, Carly, you know, it doesn't matter Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. The office is the same. The severity, the weight is the same. Brother Trevor preached Tuesday night, one of the, one of the greatest words I've really heard. Um, ever. It was beautiful, very powerful word um, and, and drove me to the altar. I think I offended him a little bit. I thought your preaching was that great is what I was. I told him I just couldn't wait for you to be quiet so I could get to the altar and he thought I was saying I, w- I preached too long. I wasn't saying that. I was just simply saying the anointing was so strong I just could not wait to get to the altar. Amen. And Very wonderful. Boy. But he made a statement in that and he said he said that we all pay a price to bring a message of the gospel. And I've never found that to be more true than this sermon that I'm going to preach to you this morning. I want you to honor men and women of God who take the office of preaching and ministering and teaching because a price is paid. A very high price is paid. And a lot of times we can be very critical, overly critical at the men and the women of God in leadership, uh, people that literally have forsaken all to give their lives and devote it to the Word and the, and the God of this Word, but also living a life full of hardship. Amen? It's very hard. As anyone knows that's just born again, you know that life as a Christian is hard. Amen? Amen. Amen. Maybe not for you. I, maybe I got saved under the wrong gospel, but this gospel that I was saved under, the Bible never ever tells me that I will not suffer but rather that there will be more suffering than there is anything else. Amen. And I know this to be true in my short time in ministry, in my short life in Christ. I have found that the suffering far outweighs, amen, the mountaintops, the valleys for me have always been closer together than the mountaintop experiences. And this is divinely from the Lord. Amen. This is not a punishment of God. This is nothing of hardship from the Lord sending uh, plague or hardship on the believer. Rather, it's a blessing. Amen. I, I learned very early on that the valleys in life were never to plague me with hardship, but rather to show me a greater revelation of this God whom I now serve. Amen? That is the, there is no greater reward from going through valley to valley, hardship to hardship, trouble to trouble, than at the end of it gaining the greatest reward, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God. If you're a believer tonight, you know that if any hardship has ever come across your desk in this life that we call Christianity, then you know that everything that has come, whether it be hard or whether it be good, has always produced produced one thing. Amen? It's Jesus. And if it hasn't produced Jesus Christ in your life, then I can honestly say you're doing this wrong. If your life does not produce Christ in every avenue, in every office, you don't know this Christ. Because it's now all about Him. And I pray that God, through this message, 
produces that revelation. Amen. If everyone is at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word, honoring the Word of God. Amen. If you can, stand. If you can't, there's no dishonor. We understand. Starting in verse 1, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. Amen. For I will say to the truth, but now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh. Everyone say, a thorn in my flesh. A thorn in my flesh. Hallelujah. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. No one loves praising the Lord on that, but we'll hopefully get to that place later. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now don't sit down. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Amen. Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians 7 or 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. Amen. We're going to read all of, the, all of the scriptures that I have. Don't worry, there's not many left. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now don't sit down. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Amen. i got to encourage you to stay standing. 16. Amen. Go to 16. We're going to read from there. For which cause we faint not, but that... But thou our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Father, just go to the Lord and pray with me. Pray for me. This morning. Father, I love you, God. I thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity, Lord. But God, if this opportunity never arose, God, behind a microphone, I pray, God, that the trial, the hardship, the struggle wouldn't stop producing Christ in my life. That when people saw me with a microphone or not, God, they said, There goes the life of Christ. God, allow that to be all of our prayers this morning, Lord. Let us all be stirred 
forward to the revelation which is Jesus Christ, Lord God. Father, that we might look onward, God, beyond the cross, Lord, beyond the trials, Lord, to see the joy which is Christ Jesus set before us, Lord. Anoint me, God. Anoint my lips, Jesus. Animate me, God. Let me be descriptive, God. Let me be thorough, Lord Jesus, God. But even more than that, God, let me be anointed, Father, for the very anointing, God, is what breaks the yoke, Jesus. Father, I pray, God, that after this day, Lord, people walk free, God, of the bondages, Father, of the devil, Lord God, and the mentality, God, that they are bound by their hardship. Rather, God, our hardship sets us free. Let us rejoice in you, Jesus. Father, in your precious name, we pray. Hallelujah. That's called a preaching prayer, if you've never heard one. Hallelujah. This is your first time in a Pentecostal church. That's, that's the pre-sermon. Amen. There's many more. Don't worry. There's the second pre-sermon. And then the third. And then I'm going to skip my first point and go to my second point. Hallelujah. Little Pentecostal joke for you. Sorry. I'm not Pentecostal. I'm spirit-filled. Amen. I love the Lord. I'm a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't want to fall under someone's religious category. I want to fall under the precious banner of Christ Jesus. Amen. And the fullness thereof. Hallelujah. I'm grateful for a pastor who would honor me with the opportunity to preach this Sunday morning. Uh, One of my best friends in the whole world, Trevor Benton, is going to preach tonight. I'm glad that I go before him. Hallelujah. Amen. If you ought to have been here Tuesday night, you'd have been like, why is Brother Rafe preaching? Uh, (laughs) Amen. Put him back to Wednesdays. Hallelujah. But I am grateful. It is a great honor. And I honor the man and woman of God of this house, the pastor and and his wife. They're precious. We pray for them, our associate pastor and him, who have gone to Palatka for traveling mercies. And just everyone. And I honor you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What a wonderful What a wonderful opportunity to gather together. Amen. It's a precious thing, Jesus. Jesus gives us the opportunity. I I couldn't imagine. See, my family uh, is very far from here. Uh, We live very far from our family. And none of them are born again, but family is family. And I couldn't imagine being in the will of God without the family of God. I couldn't imagine my life without you. And I thank God for the measure of Christ that you bring to this service. I was sitting in the drums and uh, obviously playing them, and uh, amen, <laughs> it's not pre-recorded. I wish, you might wish they were, I do sometimes, but uh, I was sitting in there and, and I just felt the spirit of worship in the house of God, amen, and what a wonderful spirit that was in the house, it's the Lord's spirit, and he's come to, to bring liberty, and in that liberty, is, isn't it strange, isn't it strange how God comes in the hardest times? And it seems that when you enter into the presence of God, regardless of the banner of which you walked under to get here, isn't it strange how your hands can't help but raise in the presence of an almighty God? Isn't it, isn't it strange? It seems like the opposite reaction of my body that I want to do. And sometimes I can overpower that. Sometimes I can. But I can tell you the season of life I believe that all of us are in has produced something greater in me that I cannot help but come into the presence of God and worship. Amen. I want to return to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to point out in these scriptures, amen, this is going to be the text in which I draw my message from. Some of you might think, well, Brother Rafe, you are taking, um, you are taking these 
these scriptures, the ones that you want, and you're going to minister them. Listen, I assure you, this is the word of God. All of it, amen? I don't care what verses you take out and put next to another verse. The word of God is the word of God. And they won't contradict. They won't condescend. They will be the word of God, amen? I don't care how you scramble it. No matter how you read, I read Psalms backwards the other day. I read Psalms, I read Psalms uh, 34 backwards. The Lord told me to do it. You'd be surprised what you'd read and how you could read it. Amen, when I read it backwards. What a wonderful thing. Doesn't matter how you read it, but I can tell you, I was encouraged not in any other gospel, but in this gospel when I read it that way. And I can assure you that no matter where I pull from, the word of God is going to come forth and it's not going to return void unto the Lord. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to bring your attention specifically to this one place. Amen. I want to bring you to the place where it says, Unless I should be exalted, in verse 7, Above measures, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Who wants to rejoice? The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Could it be, folks, that Jesus sees what's coming down the road and knows if he doesn't bring you to your knees with this thorn that you will try to take on the next challenge in your strength and be destroyed. It truly is weakness that brings God pow- God's power, but it is the power of the thorn that brings that weakness. God has all power to remove this crippling thing from my life. Does that mean that God is responsible for me having it? If so, I find great comfort in it that I might by His power buckle under its pressure and fall into pieces into the arms of grace, giving all obedience and grasping for any opportunity to draw close to Him. Out of this ministry, power and wonders are birthed through us by Him. And the world sees Christ because I have been reduced to nothing. Folks, I can tell you that Paul is a master in the art of suffering. This, he says, talking of a revelation in which he observed 14 years prior. Can you believe having this revelation of God and not telling a soul for 14 years? That's what it says. It says, 14 years ago, I knew a man. Of course, talking of himself. I didn't know that at one time, so don't feel bad if you didn't. I actually preached it one time, different. I got got told... (laughs) Amen. I was very young in the Lord. Very funny story. But by the grace of God, I was revealed to me in grace. Amen. And I I realized that this man was Paul that he's talking about. And it was 14 years prior. Speaking of this for the first time to the Corinthians. To a people who have called on Paul to give give them understanding of this gospel. A man who went to them and shared the preciousness of Christ through the grace of God. They believed on this. And they were born again. They were birthed into new creations. And now Paul, 14 years after this revelation, is finally releasing it for the first time. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the things that Paul must have endured after seeing this revelation? Could you imagine the 14 years leading up to a moment where he finally let it out? 
beatings, scourgings, tortures, terrors of the night, churches running him out, saying what you've preached to us isn't real. Churches that no doubt he probably saw the glory of God fall, the Spirit of God fall, God fall upon them, signs and wonders upon them. And then going from a hero who brought Christ to them, now to an enemy, saying that he's brought the false gospel. Folks, this is all things that Paul brought and walked through in his life. And out of these things, out of these scourges, it allows for an opportunity for him to share what he just shared with us to the Corinthian church. Simply this, that I once knew a man. I once knew a man who had known the glory of God in such a way that it's unspeakable to even tell about what was said and what I heard. I once knew God in such a way that even when I came back down from heaven thinking that I had obtained something, that I was cast back into a life full of torture and scourging and hardship. Could you imagine the questions in Paul? God, how? How can I see what I've saw? How could have I experienced the glory and the goodness of God in such a measure? Yet be here again. I'm tied, I'm bound, I'm in prison once again. I'm broken once again. I'm beaten once again. God, this loved one has passed. That loved one has passed. God, my wife has left me. God, my husband has left me. God, all of these things, evil has befallen upon me. The very church that said that they love me has now cast me out in evil deeds. Could you imagine the questions of the saints? Could you imagine the questions of Paul that have gone to such lengths to know this Christ and seen Him at such great revelations now dwindled down to a place that almost seems like punishment? Don't worry about that. Does anybody or can anyone testify of that? Anybody? There's not a shout in the house, is there? I can tell you there's no greater revelation than the revelation of Christ. Paul knows all too well. We know in Acts chapter 9, we know the revelation of Christ that Paul first sees. He saw, and on the road to Damascus, he sees Jesus in all of his magnificence. He sees God in all of his glory. Could there be another greater revelation of Christ than this? I wonder if his mind went to that place. I wonder if he realized in that moment that now I have seen all things that I thought I knew. And I don't know nothing because now what I just saw. It's Jesus. It's good. It's great. It's powerful. Anybody know that kind of revelation? If you're born again, then you know that revelation of Christ. Amen. Amen. That was the same way it was for me. I was raised in church. I knew right. I knew wrong. I knew morals, uh, morals. I knew moralistic characters. I knew all of those things. I was raised in the house that spoke of Jesus quite often, though their life wasn't very re re relevant uh, in Christ's house or in Christ's doings. But I can tell you that the Word of God was still talked about. I knew of this God. I knew who He was. I knew of His goodness. And I knew all of the treasures that heaven held for my life if I would have chosen him yet none of it was convincing enough for me to enter into that which is the glory of God but there came a day when I was 19 years old folks that all the words that this world could hold every page that could ever be written on filled with the goodness of God could never describe the glory in which I saw in Christ Jesus and 19 years old he befell upon me my eyes saw the goodness of God and all of a sudden my life was changed 
Maybe you know this to be true in your own walk with Jesus. And if you don't, I can tell you that you don't know God. You don't know Him. You might know Him in a mental state. You might know Him as knowledge or understanding. But you don't know Him in revelation through experience. Because experience brings something upon a person. It simply says this, Of all the things that I thought I could say or hear about you, God, they're all false in the magnitude of your glory. All of a sudden, God was good. Not because I read it somewhere, not because somebody preached it to me, but because now I saw the goodness of God. Paul is now talking again and again and again. I have come not only off the road of Damascus to the glory of God, but time and time again God has brought me back to a new place in Him where I might see Him, where I might know Him deeper, more intimately. This is the life of Christianity, folks. It's called sanctification. A lot of us don't like to use that word in church today. But the reality of God is, is that if you're going to see God once, it's a necessity to see Him again. Amen. And many of us, more times than not, know what happens if we don't seek God. Time and time again. Paul speaking of a revelation that he had 14 years earlier, a, a glorious encounter of God. Maybe more glorious than the day that he saw him in his salvation. And he's sharing this with people, but he's not sharing this in the way that some people would think. Not maybe how some would share him today, some, how some do share him today. We'll just say it like that. It wasn't in a shout, it wasn't in a boast, it wasn't in, all you sinners... You Corinthians, you whoremongers, you adulterers. Man, I'm, I'm reading your letters, Corinthians, and all I can hear is, is how one father is sleeping with his daughter and vice versa and the nastiness and the filth of this church. And he's not saying any of that at all. I don't see any of that in Paul. I see a man who's experienced God on such a level that he has the right and the opportunity to speak of things that are unlawful to speak about. Yet what do I see in Paul? I see humility. And I see brokenness. If I'm going to title this message this morning, I'm going to entitle it this, The Power of the Thorn. The Power of the Thorn. See, all of us have something to praise about. All of us have something to proclaim about, to prophesy about. But I can tell you, most of it today is just skin deep. It's a very sad truth in the church. Listen, this message is going to look weird to some people. Amen. It's, going to, it's already looking weird to me. All right? And I'm the one that's got to preach it. But I'm telling you, I, I'm just in a place that I can't just be what, what is always. Amen? Amen? Listen, folks, I can ride the revelation of Christ and salvation all the way home. All the way home. I can, I, can, I can ride it all the way there. And I could get to heaven and I could limp in. Amen? All on one revelation of Jesus Christ and it would be enough to get me to heaven. It really would. But the reality of it is, folks, is what a horrible way to live. What a horrible way to live this walk with God. Because God commands. God commands it to us. That we shall live a life of prosperity, of power, of anointing. Such power and anointing that no devil in hell, no death, no sickness, no nothing can overcome us. 
We are the sons and the daughters of Christ, folks. In one simple revelation of Christ, everything that is under Christ's feet is now under mine. But yet I live in such a servanthood state to the devil as a son or daughter of Christ that there is no power in me. And all of it stems from this simple fact that because I saw Jesus in the magnitude I saw Jesus, I have a right to live at this standard above everyone else. And your view is wrong. You're looking at it as an arrogant, prideful, puffed up person like what I have is better than what everybody else has. And the reality of it is, is the same Christ that saved me is the same Christ that saved you. The depth of hell that you've come from is no nastier, it's no darker, it's no uglier than what God saved me from. And I'm tired. I'm tired of getting on Facebook and all the Facebook warriors, the prophecies, the people that are saying all of these things, and there's no depth in them. I'm tired of the religious tattooed folks. You're now that went over your head, some of you. Listen, folks, I've seen more things online that says God's going to use the tattooed folks and not the church folks anymore. Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus Christ is going to use the church. That's who he's going to use. And it ain't because I'm wearing a suit. Listen, I got tattoos. I got a drug addiction testimony. Don't sit there and chalk it up to one looks like this or one looks like that. My God, if you don't look like Christ, He will not use you. It's Christ and Christ alone. It's Christ and Christ alone. The very God that saved me is the very God that saved those that you can't even see their skin. They're so tattooed. The same power that lives in me is the same power that lives in them. Whether I prophesy, whether I speak in tongues of angels or of men, no matter what I do in the anointing of God, it is all of the same Spirit. And it's all given of one God. One. And it's who we all bow down to. It's who we're all saved by. And His name is Jesus. And I can tell you Paul knew this. Paul knew this more than anyone else. What he really was writing to the Corinthians is, is though you've written me, written me all of these things of your filth, I still realize of all of my accomplishment, of all that I've seen in Christ, I'm still no better than you. We've lost this. We've lost this. When I say we, I include me. I've lost this. Folks, I've come to service after service after service with the knowledge of the secret place of God. And I have failed time and time again to surrender my pride and my arrogance to enter in. I come to church. I'm born again. I know the power. I know the place. I know where I must run. I know where I must hide. I know what it costs to get there. But my pride won't let me. I come in and I go, no, God. I don't need you to carry this for me. I know what's real and I know what's not real. I know what's the devil. I know this is a thorn. I know how real it is. I know the buffering of Satan on my life. I know the voices, but even more than that, God, I know every scripture to quote. Who here knows what I'm talking about? You get on that WebMD, you're looking all that trash up because you got a little ailment in your body. Fear comes on you. The anxiety that God's delivered you of 12,000 times is now back in your heart. And you say the same scriptures you said the last 12 times in order to go through the calisthenics to be free, yet you're not free. You're not free. 
God, but I said the words. I shared this misused knowledge of what your word says. And the whole time my pride and my arrogance is welling up. And you know what you're really saying? I've got this. I can handle this, God. My shoulders are broad enough to carry this. And you know what the goodness of God is? My grace is sufficient for thee. Well, anybody ever produce glory in themselves? Anybody? Amen. You can raise your hand and be honest. Thank you, John Wayne. You know it's possible. It's possible, ain't it? I can produce a glory. Hallelujah. And it looks good. It preaches good. Come on, somebody. I know all too well what it looks like. Been there, done that. Read that book. I can produce the glory. In salvation, I can produce a partial glory of God. I could surrender myself just enough to let God help me get by in order for the rest of the congregation to know that I'm still saved. There's 5% of me that's producing glory. That's enough. Helps me get by. Helps me skate by. I even have a little peace there. Have a little anointing. My jaw jiggles still a little bit. But there's 95% of me that's broken. There's 95% of me that's empty. There's 95% of me that's angry with God because God's not fully delivered me. Listen, this is going to look a lot different this morning. This, is, this might be why people don't let me preach on Sunday morning. But folks, I just got to be honest. I've just got to be honest with me. I've got to be honest where I'm at. Folks, I've been under such torture, such torment, such weight, such brokenness, such darkness. It's overwhelming and crushing. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? My God, you've lived in 2020 for six years and you ain't, you ain't hard up yet? Come on, somebody. 2020 for six years. Amen. Every day my phone has something horrible on it. And I'm not talking about sin and temptation. I'm talking about real life. Dark, death, sin, destruction. It's awful. Every day, folks, I wake up and there's something on my phone that tells me why I don't want to get out of bed. Come on, somebody. We're talking about real life here. I'm talking about Christian, full of the Holy Ghost, living my life, submitted in the will of God. And what do I do? Praying for you. Praying for you. Click it off. Throw it up there, get dressed, and go on about my day. No prayer, no anguish, no moment, no moment to let it sink in, no moment to run to the place where strength can be found. No. I can carry this. Get halfway through the day, something's going on with my kids. I can carry this. God, I just don't understand. I can carry this. I just, God, it's getting heavy now. But I don't, I still don't understand, Lord. I'm praying, God, this, this scripture, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. I'm weak, Lord. Oh, your grace, and I'm just trudging along. Your grace, your grace. Listen, I know all the scriptures, and I'm sure you do too. And you throw them at God like there's some remedy to some cheap trick. Guilty. Guilty. I've had revelation of Christ that none of you could ever fathom and understand. 
I've had revelation of Christ, Brother Tanner, that has set me free of the things that you're bound with. All of us. I've, had re- I've been in this thing for nine years, folks. Born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. I didn't have no preacher tell me sin was wrong. Listen, you know what my testimony is? The glory of God fell on me. I was born again. Didn't need no preacher tell me stop dipping. Holy Ghost came. Who here had a preacher tell him? And you said, under the conviction of the Holy Ghost, by that preacher, I'm going to quit dipping now. I didn't need that. My revelation was greater than that. I didn't need no preacher. I didn't need no man. You hear what I'm saying, somebody? My, my revelation was greater than that. I just, don't, I just don't understand how you can come in here Sunday after Sunday and still struggle with the things you struggle with. Come on, somebody. We said it about every person that's come to this altar. You have? What is this, the 18th time? How many, how many times is God going to have grace with them? I mean, are they a reprobate or what? Come on, somebody. Yeah, preachers will tell it. Preachers are preaching from the pulpit, and they're going home. And they're battling the same addiction that these people in the altar are battling. They're asking, God, because I look different, because I carry it different, maybe I don't fall into that in the physical action, but my mind goes there. Oh, boy, and I sit in that for a little while. Feels good to think about it for a little while. But then I take it captive. Then I take it captive. There's that scripture again. I take that thought captive and I don't think about it for a little while. No, you don't. You don't pray. You don't do nothing. You go make yourself busy. You go sit in there with your wife and talk a little while so it dulls your mind so you don't have to think about it anymore. But the next day it's waiting on you in the same place. And just because you might not act it out in the physical, doesn't mean that you're not just as guilty. Did Jesus not say, I don't need you to sleep with somebody to be an adulterer. I just need you to lust in your heart. Is Jesus hard? Is Jesus cruel? Is Jesus overbearing? No, what he's saying is, is you're awful. It doesn't matter how you church it up. Your flesh is gross. Your flesh is ugly. And nothing a part of yourself is going to save you. That's why I had to come. I can tell you right now that I have no idea how I have been able to sit under the words of God that have come behind this pulpit and not just been in a place where I go, what in the world have I been doing, Dana, for the last nine years in my salvation? I am a failure. I am a fraud. I have not done anything good for the Lord. All of my good deeds, all of my good revelations, all the things that God's delivered me from, I count them all as lost. I'm filthy, I'm guilty, I'm ugly, and I'm stained. I stink like trash, John Wayne, because every time I see someone else in the altar, all my heart can produce is ugly, religious rhetoric garbage. Is this the last time, God, before they're a reprobate? Is this the last chance? God shall have mercy on whom God chooses to have mercy, and God will have grace on whom God chooses to have grace. I've elevated myself to a place where I'm judge, jury, and executioner in the house. And I call it Christianity. I call it leadership. Don't worry, believer, that just comes on a Sunday morning. I've got you too. You come, you've tagged in. You can ride it to heaven by the grace of God. But I can tell you that there's an opposing force for all of us. Oh, Jesus, I got the glory. There's joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Born again. The blood was enough. Hallelujah. I've got all them songs. I know them all from Sunday mornings. Amen. I don't have to come to church. Listen, I was raised in church. Did you hear me? I first said it. Raised there. 
born and raised. I've heard somebody say I was a drug baby. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. That was me. I was there. I was, I was drugged to a drug rehabilitation center. And I still turned out to be a drug addict. Wow. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Is there irony in that? Or is there irony in that? I can tell you it just shows that it doesn't matter what, what stuff we say or what we read to you. I can tell you conception's not birth. Write that down. You'll need it. Because what you get when you come in here, what's birthed unto you, what's given to you, what you conceive in your spirit, and you go, man, I'll never be the same when I leave here. Listen, it takes a long time for that seed to become life. It's life immediately, folks. It's life immediately. It's changing. It's life changing. But how many of us receive that, that seed of life that Jesus gives us in here, and it's dead before you reach the door? You don't nurture it. You don't take care of it. You don't get in your word the prenatal vitamins, the things that builds upon. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about going back to the life of Christ and saying, God, thank you for what you've given me. I'm going to nurture. The, I'm going to take care of this thing, folks. America's in a terrible, terrible place, not because of any other reason but our own choices to not realize the preciousness of life. And who, who worse than anybody than the church? Listen, you could care less about a baby. I can tell by the way that you vote. How much more something spiritual which you can't see? I can see that it's a real life. I can see that it's a real baby, but that don't matter to me. It ain't me. It's their choice, not my choice. No, it's not. It's God's choice. It's His and His alone. There's Every good and perfect gift is from the Lord. Every good and perfect. There's not a child that I've ever met in my life. No baby, no adult. Nothing that I've not known is precious because there's life. Not one thing. If God dubs it to be so, I don't care if you were raped or whatever it is. God has allowed it. Folks, listen, I know I'm treading on uncharted grounds here, and you can be mad at me if you want to, but I'm preaching the book. Folks, I'm preaching life. You can take, your, you can take it into your own hands and call it, call it my choice. Listen, your choice to do something like that, if not changed through the grace of God, you'll choose hell over Christ every time. Because you don't know the preciousness of life. You want, you want to give a death penalty to something that didn't have nothing to do with nothing for your own mistakes or for someone else's mistakes. Jesus teaches very clearly in the Word of God that He came for everyone's mistake and took the death penalty for us. Yet we're so willing to let others, let ourselves, kill the preciousness that is life within us. Listen, this is what Paul's talking about, folks. This is what Paul's explaining. He's saying, listen, there's no one that knows this Christ better than me. Old Testament, New Testament. I know God, folks. I know there's no one greater than me. There's a lot of church folks wrapped up in that right there. There's a lot of church folks wrapped up in there. One of my favorite parables is when the Pharisee got up and he prayed, God, I bless you, God, me, a man who's not a sinner. Thank you, Lord. Now, that's not word for word what he says. Then the tax collector comes, and he kneels down, and under his breath he says, God, forgive me, a sinner. I can tell you what prayer was heard in heaven. And I can tell you, the way you look this morning is not who you really are. That's the sadness of the church is we feel like we can cover ourselves up. You cannot cover yourself up from the Lord. You can't. And you know what God has in store for all of us? 
a thorn. Woo! Praise Him. Listen, folks, that was my mentality until Tuesday night. I'm just being honest. That was my mentality. There's been more times in this walk with God that I have gone down on my knees and shouted in anger at the Lord. God, you brought me here. Why? I'm going to walk away if you don't show up. Folks, ugly in my heart. Ugly. Who do I think I am? To come to, it reminds me of Job, a just man, a righteous man, who came to the Lord and is like, Lord, why? Just why? I'm not going to sin against you and call you evil and bad and ugly and all this. I would never do that, God. But why? That's all I want to know is why. Who do you think you are that you deserve a response? Who do you think you are that you deserve an answer? You're nobody. You're nothing. And you're probably wondering to yourselves, am I preaching a Jesus message right now? Because I don't feel very Jesus-y. But unless God can show us who we are, He can never be seen for who He is. And that is where we lose the power in the church of God, folks. We get so focused on what we are. My, I've gone six months without watching porn. I've gone six months without cussing my wife. I've gone six months without texting so-and-so who I know I'm not supposed to be texting. I've gone eight months without seeing this person. But your heart's never left it. And we call it freedom. We say, I'm free, but my thoughts and my heart are there. They've never left them. Though I'm not physically in it, folks, I'm still there. And I cry, and I cry, and I cry. I cry myself to sleep. I cry myself to the altar. I get up and I cry all the way home. I'm not delivered of this. I still want to do this. God, won't you take this from me? If it's Jesus, answer it. If not, don't. See, he's expressing in a story. He's telling them, I asked God three times. Now that sounds pretty. When it's said like that, because we always pretty up the story to tell somebody. But I wonder what it was like in real life. I really wonder. God, were you not the one that lifted me out of in the flesh? Or I, I literally could have been body and soul in heaven. I literally could have been unholy into the holy of holies. Boom, transported right there. God, don't you remember? It's me, Paul. The one in whom you love. The one that is preaching to the Gentiles. I'm the one that, 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 that got on to Peter for not including Gentiles with the Jews. I'm your boy, Blue. Come on, somebody. It's me. Don't you, God, I've not done this in six months. I've not done this in eight weeks, God. I've not done this in this amount of time. It's me. Why am I going through this? Will you take it? God, come on now. Jesus, didn't I, didn't we just, didn't I just go to the altar for this? 
Didn't the preacher just have a burn pot? I mean, I wrote it. I confessed of my mouth, Jesus. Just like I didn't want to. I didn't want to, but I did. I wrote it all down. And I read it. I, I even didn't. I had some things in my heart that I didn't write down. I'll admit. But I confessed it to you, so that's good. And then I burned it. The next morning, how many battled the same thing that they burned in the barrel? The next morning? Who here, who here, just honestly, who here went, God, take this from me. It's comical because it's true. And we all are like bewildered. We're deer in headlights in this moment. We're just going, I don't get it. Is this a fallacy? Is this false? Is this not? Is a, Jared is so anointed when he says it. I just believed. I just believed with all of my heart, and you did. You have faith, folks. You're really born again. You're really loved by God. You're sought after by God. You're given over to His name. You're not going to hell. Someone needs to hear that right now. Listen, a lot of people will be like, oh, it didn't, it didn't burn up in the fire because it didn't burn up in your heart. Oh, hell. 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 Sinner. Going to hell. How does God get glory from that? Come on, somebody. If I'm a carnal man and I can look at Jesus and realize that he's not waiting every second to send me to hell, I wouldn't love someone like that. But if I can have the knowledge that Jesus isn't waiting every second to throw me into the pit, my God, I love him. I love that Jesus. Jesus, take it from me. Take it from me. Take it from me. Maybe it was over months. Maybe it was over years. Maybe it was 14 years in the making where finally Paul just decided I've had enough. And we all hate this response. We preach it good. It's loud. It's proud. It's so good. Oh, but his grace is sufficient. I hate it. With all of my heart, can't you make me holy? Can't you make me pure? Can't you make me perfect, God? Then I'll accept me. The reality of it is, is God's not waiting for you to accept you. He says, I accept you the way you are. That's why my grace is sufficient. That's why we hate it so much. Because it doesn't make me holy. It doesn't make me good. Listen, the moment you get holy and the moment you get good, you're going to hell. Let me add some context to it. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. There is one way to the kingdom of God, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. I don't have to be perfect. He's perfect. And we've lost it, folks. We've lost it in ourselves. We've thought, I'm six months in. I'm eight months good. I'm a year saved, and I'm a year clean. I've had a thought about it every day and every second since. And you call it freedom. It's not freedom. It's torture and it's warfare in my mind. And every day I have to choose Jesus over that thing. But my God, is that not the power of the thorn? That it puts you in a position every moment to realize that God is good and I'm not? Is that not the grace of God? There's no greater revelation than that. Show me the third heaven. Show me the throne room. No, God, show me me. Show me who I am in comparison to you that I might know that you'll always be the way. I'll never run from you because I remember what it's like. I remember the emptiness. I remember the pain. I remember the struggle, God. 
And guess what? When I was there, I had no peace. I had no joy. I had no hope because I had no you. But the only difference now, God, in this thorn, in this agony, in this death, God, in all of it, Lord God, I have one thing. It's you and you alone. Where I didn't have you before, I have you now. Where it drove me to the depths of darkness in my sin, God. And I knelt there, God, and I contemplated taking my life. When I contemplated living, God. When I was so overwhelmed by the world, God. Father, I just laid there in despair. But now, now, God, now I have you. Now I have you, Jesus. Oh, God, let it come, Lord. What may, Lord, let it push me deeper, Lord God. Let it push me deeper, Jesus, into you. Folks, if you're just in to this Christian walk with Jesus and you know the goodness of God, just hold on. He gets better. He gets better. It's not life, folks, that gets better. It's not. It's not life. We've got this thing mixed up. I used to think this, my life's going to get better. It's going to look different. I'm not going to go through these things. Listen, I'm going through worse than I did. I'm going through worse than I did. And I've sought the Lord. And I said, God, this is too much. This is too much for me to bear. And you know what God says? He just words it differently for me now. It's not my graces. He just says, I know. Come to me. I know. I know it is. I know it's too much for you. Just come to me. Bring it to me. It's not too much for me. Could it be, folks, that this evil thing that has befallen you was given to you by the Lord? Not to buffet you to the place of destruction. That you might die in a pit of hell because of your overabundance of sin. But that you would realize that it's too much. And you run back to that which has saved you. Folks, salvation just doesn't come when you say a little prayer in your heart. I'm saved every day by the Lord. I'm saved from my thoughts, from my actions. I'm saved from me. Believe it or not, folks, I'm still just as ugly and just as bad as I was before Jesus saved me. We get this idea that that's gone away and done away with. Anybody here have that? Let's take a poll. Where are you at today? Are you new? Are you clean? Are you the same beat up vehicle with a new car smell? Same issues. Still smoking. Still struggling. Still going through all this stuff. Still have thoughts about it. I don't do it anymore, but I think about it all the time. Steals my mind. Steals precious moments from me. And we cry to the Lord. We cry. We cry and we carry. We cry and we carry. We cry and we carry. And we sit for a long time. Listen, I'm the most guilty person here. Okay? I, I shared it in our sociogram on Monday. You might not know what that is, but basically it's not fun. <clears throat> it's where what's in you is exposed. You know what my issue is? Everybody thinks I'm Superman. I don't say this about myself. I'm just saying what other people have said about me. People think I'm strong. 
that I don't battle things that y'all battle. I don't struggle with the things that you struggle. I don't have overwhelming anxiety. I don't have overwhelming depression. I just, because I keep going, Brother Rafe Strong, he's got something in Christ that I don't have. You know, it's all a mask. You know, I'm no different. My mask may look different than yours, but it's a mask nonetheless. I still struggle. You know, you know, you know what I said? It was simply this. I need to be held accountable in this thing right here. That you look past what you think you see in me. You hold me accountable for what's really going on inside. Because I'm ugly. I'm nasty. I have thoughts. I have anxieties. I have depressions. I have been delivered. I have been set free. But all of those promises are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Who likes the thorn? No one? I love it. Listen, folks, and I don't say that because I'm in opposition to what you just said. I'm simply saying that I understand it now. And because I understand it, it's no longer my enemy. It's no longer my enemy. Anything that will push me to my Savior, anything that will push me to Him, anything is from the Lord. Anything. Will He not use the enemy for His good? Does He not turn all things? For his good? Listen, folks, you can blame him for what? Listen, it's touchy right now. What happened Wednesday is a touchy thing. It sure is. And we can all sit and we can go, God is not just. And he is not good and he is not kind. Listen, God is sovereign. Because you can't wrap your mind around it doesn't mean that God hasn't gone to the end of eternity and back finding the greatest way to deal with your problem. Yours, intimately, personally, that the best outcome possible can be had. That when you choose him, no matter what that situation is, it's going to be because of him. It's going to be him. It's going to be good. It's going to be holy. It's going to be right. Because he's beyond us. He's beyond us. You cast your thoughts. You think. And you have these motives in your heart. God doesn't, God doesn't listen to none of that garbage. Because he's higher than us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. Listen, even in the best even in my best thought, and my best making up of something I could never produce in the smallest amount, the goodness of God for your life. I try. I try. I'm a minister here. I try. Well, maybe God's doing it because of this, or maybe God's doing it because of that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Brother Rafe, why am I struggling here? Why am I going to? <laughs> well, you're probably struggling with this because you got this fruit, and you got this over here, and You've got that, and come on, folks. I don't know. I don't. Sister Michaela said something to me either last night or the day before yesterday. She said, I'll tell you one thing I do know about myself that I've learned from coming here, that the only answer I've got for you is Jesus. Can I tell you, can I tell you that's not the wrong answer? It is if you're in my history class. You can't say Jesus for everything. We know that. But folks, why do I have this thorn, Brother Rafe? Take it to the Lord. Why do I have this pain? Take it to the Lord. Listen, why is it? Anybody, anybody ever had a thorn in here and it produced sin? Oh boy. Nobody likes this topic. Anybody ever have a thorn in here 
And we read this scripture and we go, oh, but his grace is sufficient. And it produces sin in your life. What happens? You fall into that sin, what happens? Shame, guilt, unworthiness. You're farther away from the Lord. I mean, has the trial gotten better? Come on, I'm just, listen, I'm the most logical person that you can possibly think of. I'm just trying to really feed it to you with a spoon, okay? Has the trial gotten any better? Has the death stung any less? Has the molestation gone away? Has the thing, has your addiction gotten any less because you fell back into it? Anybody? Asking for a friend. Yet, yet time after time, trial, tribulation comes. And what's the first thing we turn to? The very thing that didn't fulfill us to begin with. The very thing that pushed us to Christ is the very thing we turn ourselves to. Anybody find, I mean, it, poof. is anybody else there right now? See what I'm saying? I was in the office about 10 minutes before service started. And I, was, I was just sitting there and God just, he dropped that in there. And I was like, I go back to the thing. Wait, let me get this straight. Jesus. I go back to the thing that I hated and I ran to you for? <sighs> let me just run that through again. I, I realize that you're good. And when I saw you, I just wanted you because you wanted me. Anybody else have that revelation when they got born again? I'm just listen, that's super stupid and simple. Okay. I get it. But I was just like when Jesus came to me and he said, He said, I love you, I was like, Phew. I was taken aback. You want me? Listen, I remember being 13 years old and I remember growing up in church and I remember having a real encounter with the Lord. And I could remember receiving the Lord and saying that prayer and being like, Oh, I'm gonna do so good for Jesus so naive in what really was true in the Lord, and I tried really hard. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all there, y'all been 56 years trying really hard. <laughs> Them naive 56-year-olds, you know? <laughs> I'm going to try really hard for the Lord, <sighs> and it just didn't work. It just didn't. It, has it worked for anybody in here how good you are? Just ask him. It's not work for me either. My goodness has not produced anything but death. I've sown to the carnal. I've reaped in the carnal. I tried really hard. And I was discouraged at 13. And I said, clearly God can't love me. Because if God really loved me, he would take this from me. Ooh. I just heard someone go. <sighs> Apparently God doesn't love me enough. Because if he really loved me, he would have just taken this from me. I can remember in that moment thinking, I'm pretty rough at 13. At 19, I was the worst that I'd ever been. There's no greater depth of darkness that I had been in until that moment. I had made a decision to abort a baby. I was in a deep drug addiction and I tried to take my own life. And when Jesus found me, you know what he said? I love you. 
And I went, Jesus, I've heard this before. When I was 13 and I was nothing in comparison to what I am now. I'm nothing. I'm so ugly. And I'm so nasty. And I've done too much now. And he shared this scripture with me. And said, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for me. In the depth of that scripture, it doesn't mean the tip of the iceberg of sin. It doesn't mean kind of a sinner. Whatever the apex of sin could be in a person's life, the most sin, as high as you can go, as bad as you can go, think of the, just the length of it. Right there is where Jesus died for you. Right there. Because sin is not going to be above his blood. It's not above it. And I fell in love with Jesus, not because of judgment, but the lack of. I knew I deserved hell. And Jesus didn't come with me, come to me with a promise of hell, but a promise of heaven. Heaven with him. I love him. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. He's not produced nothing in me that I can take in glory in. There's no revelation too great. There's no sin too deep that Jesus can't save me from, that Jesus can't come and do away with, that God, when he looks upon my life, that he sees anything else but his son. Folks, we can produce a glory in this, a small part of glory. Would the musician come? Whoever's going to come. We can produce a small part of this glory, but we do God a disservice as believers. We do God a serious disservice as believers. When we say, God, I'll allow you to be this good through me because I can do the rest. Folks, I don't think, if you still think that way, that you've gotten it. God will give you a thorn. And you know what the reality of it is? is you already have it. You already have it. You know, there's been things that I've been delivered of. Amen? Can anybody attest to that? I've really been delivered. Listen, I don't like cocaine anymore. Anybody else? See what I'm saying? I've had real deliverances. Alcoholism, porn addictions, I've had real deliverances. I'm not talking about that. But I can tell you, about the time that I overcome something in deliverance, I find that my flesh has one more thing to offer. Do you see what I'm saying? I will not, brothers and sisters, not that I have reached this imperfection, for none of us will until we see him face to face. But whatever thorn I must carry, listen, folks, Wednesday night is a thorn. It's a hardship in a morning season that we'll all carry with us, maybe for the rest of our lives. It's the reality of it. Was it to punish us? Was it to show us our failures? Was it to show us our flaws? No. Jesus simply saying, none are good but me. Jesus is sovereign, folks. Death is the most beautiful thing that can be offered to someone because we all have a theory about how it is in the end. Amen? The last moments when you're on the edge of eternity and you're peering over, 
I can tell you, there's a chance. There's a, it's the sovereignty of God. It's, a, it's up to him who he gives mercy. And it's up to him who he gives grace and when and how. Listen, this is very somber right now. That's how I, I really hope the Lord would let it be. But I want you to understand something. It's not somberness that we're going to finish. Amen? Because Tuesday night, and I want to share this. Tuesday night, I came into this room heavy and overwhelmed in things that I could carry. And all night I sat in the back and the Lord dealt with my heart. Don't you remember this place? Don't you remember me? Don't you remember the place that I've allowed you to come? The safe haven, the peace, the hope, the joy. Where's your true worship at? Where's your true praise at? Lord, I'm just, I'm just angry with you because you've allowed things to happen. You've not taken certain things from me. I'm just struggling, Lord. I know that place is there. I know it's there. Who knows it's there? You know where to run. Listen, God couldn't draw a more simple map to where he is. Just look up. He's there. And we can say, I know God. I know that place. I know how real it is. I remember. Don't you remember I was there? I was there 14 years ago for some of you. Don't you remember? how? I know how precious it is. I know how wonderful that glory is. God says, I know you know, but you're not there. You're not there. Tuesday night, I couldn't wait till Brother Trevor stopped preaching, not because it wasn't good, but I couldn't wait to shuck off this weight that I was never meant to carry, this thorn that I've been trying to heal. Folks, I can't heal it. I can't. I can't bring comfort to it, peace to it, hope to it. But I know where I can go get it. It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It's never stopped. In nine years, it's never stopped being the same place, folks. And I came down and I fell on my face. Listen, I just, it was almost like I fell into the realm of the Spirit, into the third heaven again. And I fell into the arms of Jesus and I just wept. And I just allowed myself to mourn the things that I wouldn't mourn. I can handle this, God. I can be strong for these people. I know this broke my heart. But I don't have to cry right now. I don't, it doesn't have to be me. I know these things happen, Lord. I know I asked you and you didn't deliver me from them, Lord. And I'm angry with you, God. And I've wanted to tell you, but I've just been able to shoulder it until I'm not angry with you anymore. And then I'll come. But I just ran. I just ran to Jesus. And when I fell, it was like I fell into his arms, into a million pieces. And I just wept. And I just mourned. And I just cried in a brokenness. And folks, you know what, to my delight, so did everyone else. Kids, 10 years old, up to 30. They just came too. 
Folks, you're sitting in a room full of people that are in the same place you are. But we think too highly of, I'm going to be okay. I don't have to cry ugly. I don't have to mourn. I don't have to, I have to lead them. I'm sitting there, a youth pastor at a youth service, and I'm the first one in the altar. I'm such a mess. I'm not praying for, on my mind, I'm fighting. I'm going, God, I need to be something for them. No, you don't. He's something for them, and he's something for me. He's something for me. We get off sometimes thinking that we're something that we're not. And as I laid there and I wept, I listened, folks. I listened. First to myself, uncontrollably sobbing and broken, pouring my heart like an alabaster jar over the feet of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, maybe 15 minutes, we were just all here broken, everyone. So deep, so dark, so broken, real. All of a sudden, everyone that fast began to worship. It was like Jesus at the same time touched all the places and showed himself in a new way that now in light of him, in light of him, in my affliction is light. It's so light. It's not that it's not real. It's not that it's not hard, but in light of him, Jesus, this is nothing in comparison to you. I see you there. I see you there standing. And under your feet, death. And under your feet, hell. And under your feet, my addiction. And under your feet, my pain. And under your feet, my brokenness. And you're standing for me. You've come for me, Jesus. And I'm here now. You don't care what I look like. You don't care what I smell like. You don't care where I've been, Lord. You've run to me and you've fallen on my neck and you've kissed me and you've invited me in now where I never could have made it on my own. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. And now, just like time and time again before, this revelation of Christ is fresh and it's real. And I'm beginning in my heart to explain to him, God, never let me leave here. You don't have to take away the thorn. You don't have to take away the pain. You're better than this. I will always choose you. In time. And time again, he comes. He comes. And this is his banner. My grace. My grace is sufficient for thee. Folks, it's weakness that is the true power. But it's the thorn that brings the weakness. This thing that buffets me. This barrage from Satan. God, thank you for it. Thank you. I still don't understand. And I know Job never understood. Why? The fullness of why. But all I know now, God, is it doesn't matter. I see you now. I see you now. The way that I did in the beginning. I love you, Jesus. Won't you come?
Listen, lay it down. Leave it at your seat. Shuck off the weight of what you came in here with. Run to the Father. Run to Jesus. Listen, it's all right to be broken. It's all right to be mad. It's all right to have failed. It's all right to have fallen. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Fall into this grace that is sufficient. Fall into it. Fall into it. Be weak with God. Let His power now come. Don't fall back. Fall forward into this Christ. Fall forward into Him. Let Him take it from you. Let Him soothe it. Let Him comfort it. And when He does, watch your mourning turn to joy. Watch the brokenness turn to worship. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Listen, folks, there's a depth in you that's so broken that words are not going to be able to utter what you feel. But Paul says in Romans, the Holy Ghost does. And he intercedes and knows the deep things. Groans and utterances. Just be broken. Just be broken. Someone just needs to hear. Just come and be broken. Don't be well. Don't be fixed. Don't be proper. Don't look a certain way. Just come. Just come. Your time is up. Your time is up. Just come. Let the grace of God baptize you. Let the anguish be lifted off. Receive true deliverance, which is Christ Jesus. He is deliverance in Him alone. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah.